Some keep the Sabbath going to church, Emily Dickinson famously wrote. Some keep the Sabbath going to church. I keep it staying at home with a bobolink for a chorister and an orchard for a dome. God preaches, she writes, God preaches a noted clergyman, and the sermon is never long. So instead of going to heaven at last, I'm going all along. Must be nice to be Emily Dickinson, mustn't it? Isn't she sweet? Easy for you to say, Emily. I have to admit, I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous. You know those, those Facebook memory things that come up for you now? I was reminded of this in a, in a more visceral way this week, because a year ago this Sunday, I was on sabbatical. I was staying at Stephen Schneider's place in Pasadena, California. Let me tell you, Pasadena, California is a beautiful place to spend a Sunday morning when you have no church responsibilities. And I am here to tell you, my friends, we are missing out on one of the world's great pleasures, which is what everybody else is doing out there right now on a Sunday morning. I mean, it is, it is glorious. I slept in, I got up, I made coffee, I took it back to bed with me, I read the paper, I did the crossword puzzle. I mean, on, on mornings where I was maybe, maybe feeling a little bit extroverted, I would walk down to the little cafe on the corner and get a scone and take a little leisurely walk around the neighborhood, right? You go to brunch, everybody, nobody's in a hurry, people smile at you. My husband James came down to join me for a couple weeks in the middle of this, a couple Sundays, and after a couple Sundays off in Pasadena, he asked me, when we're retired, can every Sunday be like this? <laughs> Like, is this, is this what heaven is like? <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was paradise. I'm always a little bit astounded, to be honest, that people actually show up to church on a Sunday morning, especially one like this one, so glorious outside. Because I have to tell you, it is so much easier to not do stuff than it is to do them. Like, you know that feeling, right? When, when maybe you were going to meet friends for happy hour, you're going to take somebody out for their birthday on the weekend or whatever, and they call a few hours before you're supposed to meet, and they're like, yeah, I'm sorry, the dog got sick, or, you know, all the kids have got the flu, and you pretend to be concerned and disappointed, right? Like, oh, I'm so sorry, we'll completely reschedule. And in your mind, you're like, free pass. Like, I just, I just won the frickin' lottery. And, and these, are, these are people that you actually like, right? People that you want to spend time with, but no pleasure in human company, however congenial, can equal the bliss of not having to do something you thought you had to do. It's the best feeling in the world. I think that's maybe a little bit of what Sabbath is meant to feel like. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm like putting myself out of a job up here, but maybe Emily Dickinson is, wrong, is on to something, right? Some keep the Sabbath going to church. I keep it staying at home with the New York Times for a bulletin and for Eucharist a scone, right? Maybe the ancients had something right. There, it is so precious to have a day that is completely dedicated to not doing stuff. But that principle, actually, that, the, that the, the point of keeping Sabbath is deliberately not doing anything, that's a principle that, as we see in today's gospel, can very quickly be abused, right? There's a kind of, there's another side of that. There's a sort of heavily policed restfulness, the kind that maybe you read about in the little house books growing up, that kind of older American idea of keeping Sabbath that we inherited from our Puritan ancestors, right? The, the kind of Sabbath keeping where you can't do anything. You dress up in your best clothes, you know, maybe you go to church in the morning, Morning, and then all of Sunday afternoon, you just sit there on the couch while Ma reads from the family Bible 
or whatever. You don't make any noise. You don't have any fun. That kind of enforced leisure, which presumably is restful for precisely no one, right? That's, that's a little bit of what we think Jesus might be up against this morning in his debate about Sabbath-keeping with the religious authorities of his day. He's up against the Pharisees. He's up against the Herodians. We have no idea who, the, who those guys are, the Herodians. Mark just throws them in there. We don't know who he's talking about. But Jesus is very clearly making a lot of people very angry. He is offending left, right, and center. The dispute seems to be about how much work you're allowed to do on the Sabbath day, which seems to have been one of the, one of the major religious debates in Jesus' day. He's not the only guy who's talking about this, and he's not the only guy who kind of comes down on the side of human thriving, privileged over, over rule following. Jews then and Jews now are much more interested in, in keeping religious customs as a way of helping people to thrive. Jesus was not necessarily an outlier. He's a part of a larger conversation. Because there are actually two slightly different traditions about Sabbath keeping that show up in Hebrew scripture. This is part of what the debate seems to have been about. Sabbath, or Shabbat is the Hebrew word. It's a word that just means to stop. Right? It's usually traced back to the creation story in the book of Genesis, right? where God creates the entire world in six days, and on the seventh day, Genesis says, God stopped. God rested. God ceased from all of God's labor. God rests and names that seventh day as holy. It's actually the first time in scripture that the word holy is used. It's the sanctifying act that God performs to make time itself a function of holiness. That's the Genesis creation tradition. That's actually probably the newer tradition, if you like, the more recent tradition, because there's a an, there's an more ancient understanding, an older understanding of Sabbath keeping, and it's this one that we heard this morning in the, the Ten Commandments as they're recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. In that older tradition, the commandment to keep Sabbath has actually nothing to do with how God created the universe with the seventh day as a kind of holy day of obligation. In the Deuteronomy tradition, the Sabbath is a way of remembering slavery, right? It has a lot more to do with justice, a lot more to do with economics, actually, than it does with religious observance. Remember that you yourself were a slave in the land of Egypt, Deuteronomy says to the people of Israel. The Lord your God brought you out of slavery with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, right, for that reason, the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. In Deuteronomy, you keep Sabbath because you know what it feels like to be a slave, and now you have tasted freedom. It's, it's Sabbath-keeping as this kind of continued memory of resistance, if you like, against the forces of slavery, a kind of deliberate thumbing of the nose to the economic forces of coerced production and consumption. It's what Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann calls Sabbath as resistance. It's a spiritual, economic protest. Because you yourself know what it's like to be enslaved, Sabbath-keeping becomes a way of ensuring that you never treat anybody else that way. Right? It's a way of ensuring that human thriving always wins out over the market forces of production and profit. It's less about liturgical rest time. It's a form of Sabbath-keeping that's really about freedom from bondage. Right? Remembering what it means to really be a human being created in the image of God, and how we treat one another in a way that reflects that reality, not the consumer forces that maybe threaten to enslave us. So that older tradition of Sabbath-keeping, which is not a tradition rooted in the creation of the world, but rooted in, the, in a people's experience of slavery, right? that tradition 
is the one with which Jesus is aligning himself in this story from the New Testament when Jesus comes under fire for playing fast and loose with Sabbath regulations. The Sabbath is meant for humankind, he says, not humankind for the Sabbath. This thing is meant to set you free, he says. It is not meant to trap you. And then he goes around deliberately healing people on the Sabbath day. And that's not just because it's expedient, right? Healing people is kind of like Jesus' own protest. This is almost like street theater, right? It's a symbolic way of announcing that the freedom that Sabbath promises is here now, right? Jesus is, he's trying to get into trouble. He is deliberately provoking the authorities because he's trying to make a point, right? He's not saying simply, you know, don't get hung up on the rules, you guys. He's saying, I am the rules, right? I am the Sabbath. The Son of Man, he's talking about himself here, right? The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, Jesus says. That's the thing that gets him into trouble. I mean, plucking, plucking grain from the fields, right? Healing the guy with the withered hand, none of that actually breaks the rules in a significant way, right? All that Jesus tells this guy to do is stretch out his hand. He doesn't do any work in the way that Sabbath requirements like prohibit against it. He tells the man to stretch out his hand, which I see as a deliberate echo of that Deuteronomy text that Jesus probably knows by heart, right? Is Jesus kind of acting out scripture. In Deuteronomy, God says, I brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And so Jesus is like, okay, if that's what freedom looks like, right? If God's freedom is an outstretched arm, he turns to the man with the withered hand and he says, stretch out your arm, right? Jesus is putting himself in the healing role of God. This is what freedom looks like, Jesus said. He, he announces himself as the human incarnation of the Sabbath. He himself is freedom. That's the thing that gets him into trouble. I mean, we, we tend to read this stuff. Christians have tended to, to preach stories like this as a kind of debate about legalism, right? You've got the bad Pharisees on the one hand who want everybody to be miserable because they love the rules. And then you've got merciful sweet Jesus on the other hand who's like, don't sweat the small stuff, you guys. Don't get so focused on the rules. Like hippie Jesus, you know, like take a chill pill, man. Like God doesn't care. And that's a... That's a caricature, right? That's a caricature of the New Testament. There is a little bit of truth in it. Jesus is much more interested, it seems, in motivations behind religious observance, much more interested in that than he is in the observance itself. But I think we, I think we miss the point if our take-home message from a story like this one is following the rules doesn't matter as long as you love one another, right? It's a little more complicated than that. I mean, you showed up this morning Right? I mean, maybe you're a rule follower. I don't know. There's probably a lot of rule followers in this place. Maybe we've got some old programming about, you know, you go to church on Sunday because that's what good people do. That's what God requires. We're supposed to follow the Sabbath. This is what it looks like to follow the rules. There's a pretty high proportion of rule followers in church. I have learned if that's you, you're in a good place. But maybe, just maybe, you're here for a different reason. Right? Maybe you're, I don't know, maybe your life fell apart this week and you just need a place to sit for a little while and, and piece it back together. I mean, people come to church for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes we know them, sometimes we don't. But I think that question, right, what are you doing here? I think that question is worth sitting with. I mean, both for those of us who wouldn't, think, wouldn't do anything other than be here, and for those of us who, like, fought the forces of inertia and chose to get out of bed on a Sunday morning. Because, I mean, not doing stuff is way easier than doing stuff, right? We do not have to be here. We're in a culture that doesn't put a lot of pressure on us. In fact, if anything, it puts pressure on us to not go to church on Sunday because there's like a zillion things that are more fun to do. We're here because we choose to be. We're here because we need something. 
I think. I mean, maybe we've been showing up for so long that we've lost touch with that need. Maybe we've forgotten what it feels like to need to be in church on Sunday. So maybe this story, this Sabbath-keeping story, is like a wake-up call for us, right? It is, it is not enough, Jesus says. It is not enough to simply follow the rules for the sake of following rules. God is not about following rules. God is about relationship. And relationships are terrifying. So we focus on rules, right? I mean, focusing on rules is a great way to dodge having to be in a real relationship. But being in a real relationship with God, that is Jesus' whole project, right? How to, how to shift us out of the mechanics of being good church people who follow the rules and back into that place where we get back in touch with what it feels like, what it felt like for us to be trapped, right? That's, that's where it starts for the people of Israel. That's where it starts for people today. You were slaves in the land of Egypt, God says to the people. Remember what that felt like. I mean, American Christians, we, we have to be a little careful about how we appropriate the language of slavery. Most of us do not have a direct experience with the reality of economic slavery. But I think what we do know, what most of us have experienced, is what it feels like to be trapped. I think that's a good place to start. When have you felt trapped? I mean, by, you know, by work, by pressure, by family, loneliness, suffering, disease, I don't know, whatever has kept you in bondage, whatever has stunted your growth and, and inhibited your thriving, Sabbath-keeping is the invitation to remember what that feels like on a weekly basis, right, if necessary, to get in touch with the part of you that knows a little bit what it feels like to suffer. I mean, maybe the life that you are living right now is, is suffering, and you do not need my invitation to remember it. It's like happening for you in real time, right? If you are living in some kind of bondage this morning, this is what I think Jesus is saying. The Sabbath is meant to set you free. Church is supposed to set you free. And if we're not doing that, we're missing the ball. It's not about following the rules. It's not about dotting the I's and crossing the T's and staying out of trouble, right? It's about saying yes to a relationship with God that has the power to change your life. I mean, we don't, we don't show up to this cathedral because we think we're supposed to. We show up here week after week because we need something. We want to meet Jesus, right? Maybe we, maybe we met him a long time ago and we've lost touch with that memory. Maybe we've never, we think we've never met him, but we keep showing up here like week after week, half hoping, half dreading, because relationship is scary, rules are easier. But there are no magic words, right? There's no secret code for this. There's no rules that you can follow to unlock what it means to be in a real relationship with the creator of the universe. There's just this willingness to keep showing up, to be vulnerable, and to sh keep showing up at this altar, to do the hard work of showing up, because it is 100% easier not to show up. We choose to do the stuff that puts us in proximity to a God who is all about freedom, so that we can taste freedom. It's a scary thing sometimes, but that's what Sabbath is meant to do. What happens then is that we get enlisted, right? We get kind of, uh, we get pulled in to this Sabbath resistance project, the Sabbath revolution, if you like, which is not about like achieving a better work-life balance. Although if you need per permission to like take a breath today and like not do stuff, right? Take it from me. This is not a day about slavish rule following. It's a day about relationship. So remember what it feels like to be trapped and then turn around 
and find yourself in proximity to somebody else's enslavement and be a part of setting them, setting them free. That's what Sabbath is about. It's about working towards an end of human suffering, about working to an end of, of human slavery, the injustices that we inflict on one another because we think that Pharaoh is in charge and we're stuck down here making bricks for Pharaoh with less and less straw. And Moses says in the Old Testament, Jesus says in the New Testament, every great religious teacher says, it does not have to be that way. You are not slaves. The point of Sabbath is human thriving. You need to remember what it feels like not to thrive. And that's not enough. You've got to turn around and be a part of helping somebody else to thrive. Because Sabbath-keeping is meaningless until somebody is set free. <laughs>